Petting now on cliffcentral.com with myself, Leanne Mole, every Wednesday, 10 until 11. Um, if you don't know, you can download the podcasts on cliffcentral.com, um, and that way you can listen whenever you like. You don't have to be stuck to your chair at this exact time. But I'm glad you are, so thank you for listening. Um, today on Heavy Petting, we've got a massive seven-hour rescue effort, the story thereof, for Titan, the trapped puppy in Durban. How did it end? We'll find out. We also talked to South Africa's own pet detective, Esme Nathanson. We've been threatening to speak to her for a while, and she's finally going to talk to us today. Um, also, the last of our series of chats with Chris Fellows, the shark man with a soft spot for seals. And we've also got in studio today uh, Jasper from Husky Rescue SA, and he's brought two doggies with him too. So, again, I have the pleasure of um, being accompanied by lovely animals while I'm here. Uh, we also reveal the second most popular dog breed in South Africa. We've been counting down from 10 all the way to 1. So let's kick off right away with uh, the cause of the week. And we thought we'd get right into it because our guests are already here. They are Jasper from Husky Rescue South Africa. And um, two doggies, two beautiful, absolutely beautiful doggies. We'll put the, the uh, pics up on Twitter um, and on uh, WeChat as well. Their names are Helix and Vicky both huskies. One, in fact, Vicky is a husky cross. Um, I'll describe them to you. Uh, Helix is um, black and cream. He's your kind of the, the typical husky that you would, you know, picture if you had to look at him. Beautiful blue eyes. And then um, Vicky is very blonde um, and uh, absolutely beautiful coat and very, very soft, stunning tail, um, also with beautiful blue eyes. And they are here today. So welcome, Jasper. Good morning. Okay, so you're from Husky Rescue SA. I've worked with you a lot in the past. We've been to events together and um, a lot of fundraisers and that sort of thing. You're very active and help Husky Rescue. You've been there for years now. Absolutely. Um, so what's, what can we expect from Husky Rescue at the moment? You guys have always got something on. So what's happening? Okay, um, yeah, and the biggest thing at this stage, which we are promoting very seriously, is the 94.7 Cycle Challenge. Okay. Um, currently, we are one of the beneficiaries, so we are desperately looking for riders to ride on behalf of Husky Rescue and to generate money. Of, of course, the biggest thing for rescue organizations is to make money, and that's why we are so active in doing all sorts of events. It's because we need mm. the money. It's, it's extremely expensive yes. to run a welfare organization. And there's so much vet bills and food bills and all those type of things. Yes. So to get back to 94.7, yes, we are desperately in need for uh, for people to ride. If you've got a bike, if you fit, please, guys, get on board. Even if you're not fit. <laughs> Even if you're not <laughs> fit, yeah. If you've got two legs, <laughs> then then you can ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, we desperately need it. Um, we go under the banner of Barking Army SA, mm-hmm. and um, their details is uh, uh, barkingarmysa.com. Okay. If you want to go, uh, you sign up. There's some really amazing um, prizes that's coming up for people, yes. as well as you'll be um, a stand at the end where you'll be some uh, drinks off to the, the, the right, so we'll be entertained. As what well sort of drinks? Oh, alcohol, okay. a lot of it. All right, well, I'm, I can't cycle, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm also a very big um, wine drinker, so I'll definitely make sure there's enough for you. And oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, um, when I've been with you before on, on uh, fundraising events, um, Jasper's always kind enough to give me a bottle of wine for my efforts afterwards. So this is the only reason why I'm with Husky Rescue South Africa. No, I promise. Um, now, just so that people know, um, Huskies in particular, and this is why you have to have a specific organization to rescue Huskies in particular, is because they're actually very different to any of the other canine breeds. They are absolutely different. Um the big thing that people don't understand is, you know, a lot of people get them because they are beautiful. They've got beautiful blue eyes. Mm. But if that's what you look, if that's the, the basis of getting a husky, then you are looking for trouble. Yes. In the sense that they are a very, they were bred to work. They're working animals. So they need to work. They need to get exercise. You need to walk. If you're an active person and like to take walks, then please go for one. Get a husky. It's, they love that. So one walk a day is probably not enough. Look, one walk is fine, but they really, they, they love action and they love being active. And um, especially in winter, 
the colder it gets, the more active they become. Yes. So in summer, and they're very vocal too. Extremely, <laughs> especially Vicky. Are you singing for us? <laughs> She's singing beautifully. Yeah. That's Vicky. So yeah, no, and also the other thing is with huskies is when they get out, they run and they don't come back. That's, you know, okay. 90% of them don't come back. So you have to be very careful. Is it because they don't have a sense of where their home is? Why, why are they different to other dogs? The best to describe them is that they a dog with a cat uh, characteristics. Uh, yes, um, they, they, they're actually more feline than they are. Yeah, and they're canine. very free-spirited uh, yes. from that point of view. And they are, if you also, the other thing is a lot of people get them because they look aggressive, but they're not. They're very okay. friendly. They, yes. And they've got zero aggression in them, and they will not protect you. Well, I mean, Vicky's practically sitting on my lap at the moment. Um, and they also, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that they are very vocal and yes. that they could howl they do the howl. entire night <laughs> and sing beautifully. Yeah, they do howl, especially when they're alone. So okay. then you get the howling that goes on for hours. Yes. Um, mine literally howls one, day, one time a day, and it's literally one minute long. Okay. And that's it. And um, a lot of times we actually trigger them deliberately to howl. Let's get it over and done with. <laughs> yeah, because I love them to. I love how oh, yes. them when they howl. So yeah. it's really awesome. So, you know, they're amazing animals to have, I must say. Okay, so tell me particularly about these two here. What are their stories? Okay. Helix, we rescued out of a squatter camp. He was tied up with a chain to the point where he hardly could move. He was, he, you know, he could sit and he could stand, but that's it. Was he a puppy? He was about a year old. Okay. Um, at that point, you know, they grow quite fast. So the harness that was on him was so tight oh, that no. we couldn't get it off. We had to literally cut it off from him. Ugh. And um, so, yeah, so he's been with me now for about four years. Okay. So you did you start off fostering him or did you adopt him immediately? No, I started fostering. You always oh, start with go. fostering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fostering is not a successful. No. <laughs> are you a good, if you're a good fosterer, it means that you are able to give the animals back. Yeah, exactly. At the end of it. And that's the problem. I can't. Um, How many have you kept? I've got, out of the 11 I've got at this stage, um, nine are fosters that Okay, so you managed to part part with two. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, Vicky is the one I have to part with. Okay, so this is Vicky. Um, She hasn't left the, the underneath part of my hand. She likes to have a hand on her head. And she is looking for a home. Yes, Absolutely. She is looking for a home. She was unfortunately very neglected in the home that she was. She looks um, beautiful now. So, I mean, there's yes. obviously been a lot of work. Yeah, no, we've given her some good food. We've get, taken her to – she was at grooming last week, so, so she's looking good. She's looking – she's healthy. She's a four-year-old, beautiful girl, and who yeah. is – if you want a lap dog, this is the absolute perfect dog. She <laughs> loves to be <laughs> Very with big you, lap dog. She, yeah, she loves attention. Oh, man, she's just – she's got the loveliest little face as well. Yeah, and she's extremely gentle. So, so obviously now you you have to find the perfect person for her. And that makes it difficult yes. because especially with that, you know, they creep into your heart. So you want the best home you can find for them. And that's sometimes quite difficult to do. Mm. Okay. And if somebody says to you, I, I really want a husky, but I, I live in an apartment or I live in a townhouse with a small garden. We, it's It's a very difficult situation. We have in the past placed huskies in townhouse uh, units but the difference there is that the people take the doggies every single day come run come rain sunshine whatever weather mm. they go and they take their dogs out for a walk that's fine because they get the love and attention they need and they get the exercise they need um, obviously the bigger the, the garden the better for mm. them but um, in cases if you're really desperate and you really love the the um, the breed yes. you can get them provided you give them what they need and that's a lot of exercise and a lot of love and of course a lot of people um, when you think of adopting a dog you think of street pavement specials crossbreeds all of this sort of thing people don't actually realize that you can pick up a beautiful thoroughbred um, animal that Ab- needs a home absolutely we get so many thoroughbred huskies in and it's purely because people get them when they're puppy. And after a year or maybe two years, they can't cope with the dog because they don't give them the necessary attention they need. Are they easy to train? Easy to train? (laughs) No, not that easy. (laughs) You need to have a bit of patience with them. It would be like telling a cat to sit. Exactly. Yeah. And it's because a husky, they're intelligent. They're not dumb, but they decide whether they want to listen to you or not. And um, a good thing, a really good way to train them is with food because they obviously love food. So, therefore, Mm. they'll... 
a lot of times do a lot of things just for get at something to eat, mm. which is so wonderful. Um, I think what some people's concern is often that the coat is the wrong um, type of coat for our weather in South Africa, our summers. Is that really a concern? No, it's not a concern. Um, they've been in South Africa for long enough. They've climatized. They get. They they fine with it, with the, the weather here. You'll also notice that the huskies you get in South Africa, the coats have thinned quite a bit compared to the ones that you get in Antarctic on those so it's areas. Ha- it's happened genetically. Genetically, yeah. yes. Okay. They do still molt um, after winter, this time of the year, when it becomes summer, it becomes hot, then they, they shed one coat. Well, as as most dogs do. Yes. Yeah. But obviously, huskies have got a lot more hair, so yes. it's a bit more messy for about a month or so. You have tumbleweed Absolutely. across your lawn <laughs> <laughs> and in your house. Yeah. Do they get to sleep with you? Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> oh, boy. They, they all nine of them? <laughs> all of them. They sleep wherever they want to. Um, and they, funny enough, they during the night, they'll one will get up on the bed, and the next one will get off. And, and they they swap the whole night. They move around. Gosh, so uh, how do you really sleep? No, well, you get used to it. Yeah. And, and besides, they're my children. I love them so much. So yes. they can do whatever they want. I don't mind. Okay, so what's next for you, Jasper? Because um, this, I mean, something like this can really take it out of a person. You have yes. to keep um, at your own job uh, which yes. <laughs> so that you can earn a living. Absolutely. Um, so you're doing two, the job of two people. Yes. I'm, well, basically, I'm an interior designer at an architectural firm, which I really love, and, and it's, it's a wonderful company to be part of. Um, at the same time, I've always had this need to be involved in welfare and to give back, mm. and um, that's why I got involved in Husky Rescue. And we've been, it's been going now for about eight years in total, uh, two years informal and from six years on, which is a formal structure. Yes. And I felt at this stage I feel I need uh, to spread a little bit more. You know, it is very emotionally draining. Mm. Um, but at the same time, because I am biased to, to Huskies, obviously, and there's a lot of up-and-coming small little wealthy organizations, specifically Nordic breeds, because there's such a big problem with Huskies in this country. And um, so, yeah, I'm planning on extending my help to them Trying to get okay. them off the ground. Yes. And, um, and then there's a few other op- projects that I'm thinking of that I would like to take on. Are they um, top secret? At this stage, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but that um, will hopefully be able to um, have a few more things to say about it in the future. Good. Well, we'll definitely have you back when you've, when you've got that off the ground so Wonderful. we can find out exactly what's happening. I think it'll be great for you to shift focus a little bit. But yes. you'll still be doing what you love. Absolutely. And, and look, don't make a mistake. I, I love Husky Rescue. It's an amazing uh, organization. We've built it from nothing to the, one of the biggest breed-specific um, organizations in South Africa. So, we've, you know, we've really achieved a lot. But at this stage, I just feel I need to step back a little bit and um, just focus on a few other things. Okay, so, um, well, now that Vicky is almost on my lap, and if I take my hand away for one second, she cries. So she's obviously, you, she needs somebody who really wants, as you say, a lap dog. Absolutely. What if somebody is interested in being interviewed by you and Vicky okay. <laughs> as a potential parent? What should they do? Okay. Firstly, they need to go to our website, huskyrescue.co.za. Okay. There is an adoption application form that you can fill in and you send it back to us. The details are on there. You, you are the, it's, it's in a PDF that you basically just press send and it automatically puts it into an email and send it off to us. Okay. Otherwise, you can fill it in and fax it. There's also a fax number on there. Mm-hmm. Or you can contact me direct. Um, my email address is jasper at huskyrescue.co.za mm. or my phone number is 083-231-2290. Fantastic. I'm sure she'll be snapped up quite quickly. And um, I hope for your sake that she is. Cause I don't think you should keep any more. <laughs> no, I'm at 11 now. It's a bit much. Please share them with us. <laughs> Jasper from Husky Race USA, thank you so much for coming in and very very much for, for bringing in Helix and Vicky as well. Um, they are beautifully photographed, so I'll put their pictures up so that you can see what they look like. And we'll speak to you soon once, you've, once you've started your new venture. Can't thank wait to hear what it is. Thank you so much. And really thank you so much for the exposure. Wealthy organizations desperately need the exposures. And so, yeah, it, it's always so welcome. Yeah, and, and lots of people are willing to help and want to help. So, it's, and, and especially to you uh, for, uh, for supporting us for so long. It's such a pleasure. Absolute right. pleasure. Love it. <laughs> okay, so um, we move now on to, it feels like we are in our doggy style section of, of the show, but uh, officially we move on to doggy style with 
a very, very interesting story that had me on the edge of my seat. I needed to know what happened at the end of it. So on Monday this week, um, a woman named Sharita Nilakandan, she lives in Durban in Phoenix. She noticed that her eight-week-old Mastiff pup was missing. His name is Titus, and uh, she had a litter with the mom, and she noticed that Titus's mom was sniffing at the entrance of a storm drain in their garden. So as she got closer, she could hear the trapped puppy crying. So she called the SBCA. They came out to the scene and realized that they'd need to get the municipality in to help uh, find where the drain went to. So the SBCA then called in the fire brigade. Um, the fire brigade weren't prepared to excavate the drain pipe, so they left the scene. Now, time's ticking on. It's now nighttime, um, and eventually rescuers from several departments descended on the home and were using heavy-duty excavation equipment to track the path of this narrow pipe. Uh, rescue tech spokesperson Nick Holmes was part of the rescue party and says they were called for help late on Monday night. And uh, eventually, very good news, little Titan was found, uh, Titus rather, was found. He's um, eight weeks old. He had disappeared down the storm train, storm drain, and his plight had captured the hearts of men and women who were using tools to deal with the scenes of this tragedy. He was rescued. He's absolutely fine. And uh, I just think it's a really nice story. And uh, the street was alive with activity. Apparently, at three o'clock in the morning, all of the residents were cheering. So it's, I think it was quite a little scene for, for the town, which is great. Um, okay, we are probably going to speak soon to Esme Nathanson, who is a pet investigator. Um, we'll know as soon as we have on the line, we'll, we'll chat to her. In the meantime, it's time for our doggy style breed of the week. And we're on to the second most popular dog breed in South Africa. I'll reveal exactly which breed that is today. So we're recapping. In 10th place, it's the Pomeranian. In ninth place, the Beagle. Eighth is the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Seventh, Miniature Schnauzer. Sixth, Bull Terrier. Fifth, the Golden Retriever. Fourth, the Rottweiler. Uh, third is the Bulldog, who we spoke about last week. And today, the second most popular dog breed in South Africa, the Labrador Retriever. And here's what Animal Pets, Animal Planets, rather, Dogs 101 says about them. I became a veterinarian because I was so in love with my dog when I was a kid. I fell for that dog like a ton of bricks. It's hard not to love the lab. Big, friendly, full of life. They're called the Labrador, but actually they come from Newfoundland. Yeah, Newfoundland. What we know as the lab today originated in the early 1800s when fishermen bred a smaller version of Newfie to retrieve fishing nets and sometimes the fish that fell off hooks. They created a dog who loved to swim, had great stamina, and had strong haunches to leap dramatically into the water. The record is 27 feet. The breeders couldn't name the new dog Newfoundland. That name was taken. So the dog was named for the sea they worked in. Labrador. From there, they were brought to England, and the breed, as we know it today, was developed. Leading off the list, like all retrievers, the lab has webbed paws. These natural flippers make him one of the strongest canine swimmers around. The second trait is an otter-like tail. Thick at the base and strong, it acts like a rudder in the water. Number three is a layered, slightly oily coat that keeps them warm, helps them float, and is also drip dry. Labs come in three bold colors. Black is the most common and the most successful in competitions. Yellow's next, and it's the most popular for labs working as police dogs. Chocolate is the rarest. There's a misconception that people think that black labs come from black labs and chocolates just come from chocolates, but you can have uh, all three colors in a litter. The fourth trait bred into labs is what dog experts call a soft mouth. A well-trained lab can carry an egg in its mouth without cracking the shell. And then there's that fifth special trait, their unique ability to learn. So you don't have to be the best trainer in the world 
you just need to be making an effort and the dog will meet you halfway and try to do the rest. That's it. If you're thinking of raising a lab, there are considerations. I think people would be surprised that Labradors, while they can be wonderful adult companions, as puppies oftentimes are the mouthiest dogs. So you have to be prepared if you're raising a Labrador puppy to teach them from a very, very young age to have what trainers call bite inhibition. That is to be really careful with their little razor sharp teeth. There are some people who are not necessarily the best people for a Labrador. The dogs tend to have a high activity level. This is a dog that needs room to run. He's a sprinter, able to hit speeds of 12 miles an hour in three seconds. But labs aren't quite super dogs. While robust, the lab is prone to several ailments. One of the best known is a problem of the hip called dysplasia. It's caused by an abnormal formation in the hip. It leads to a loss of cartilage and pain. Labs are also susceptible to a genetic eye defect called retinal dysplasia, which causes blind spots. And like most athletes, labs have problems with knees and elbows. The Labrador Retriever could be the most versatile breed of dog in the world. Life expectancy is 12 to 13 years. Labs as a breed tend to be pretty healthy dogs, but there are some issues that they're prone to on a genetic basis. Grooming is minimal, but they shed moderately in the spring and fall. They are athletes who adapt well to cold environments. The Lab is a very secure comfortable, adaptable dog. Labs adapt well to families and pose a low risk for bites. It loves to participate in family activities. It's hard to imagine a better dog than a Labrador. Labs are easy to train and eager to please. As with any dog, um, even though Labradors are wonderful companions, it's important to start training them when they're very, very young. So in general, Labs love the cold but thrive in most environments. Though labs get high marks for health, they're prone to hip, elbow, and joint problems. Labs are very easy to groom. They're easy to train. These loyal dogs make wonderful pets. Ah, the Labrador Retriever, the second most popular dog breed in South Africa. And we'll reveal the first next week here on Heavy Petting on Cliff Central every Wednesday at 10 until 11 a.m. Um, okay, we're going to go to a quick song, and then when we come back, we'll chat to Esme Nathanson, who is the pet investigator. Yes, they actually exist. She's South African, and uh, she's got a very big heart. So we'll chat to her after this. I believe submarines underneath deep blue sea saw the flags Japanese. town bar and that's all the people have I've seen a submarine and everyone laughed aloud I did spy
cliffcentral.com. I'm standing still without you in the emptiest of fields. I wish that I could say you would some of mine. The straw that feels your heart to you, never have to feel. You say that you just need a little time. Days like these are bury my, my each and every word And hide them underneath these lonely trees The harvest moon is wicked, I know that you've been hurt But I swear I'm here for good, I'll never leave This is where it starts tonight If you open up your heart tonight You're staring out the window and I'm out here in the street you're standing like a scarecrow and I'm begging you to speak It used to be my solid ground, oh I'm drowning in the sea And I just want to believe in you and me I just want to believe in you and me Used to be so full of life, not just an empty shell You're out there all alone, I wonder why Pieces keep on falling out And I pick them up myself But I'd let you steal the buttons from my eyes Oh, this is where it starts tonight If you open up your heart Heavy petting on Cliff Central with myself, Leanne Mole um, We do have a problem with our phone lines at the moment And we want to chat to Esme Nathanson Who is a pet detective, South African, proudly And uh, so we're going to give this a try on my phone, Esme Okay, so I wonder how this is sounding. Um, all right, let me put the volume up. The volume's up. Okay. So, Esme, tell us, what is a pet detective? Um, okay, well, what we've done is uh, we started our pet detective page on Facebook just to, to sort of re- reunite lost pets with their, their lawful owners. And also, um, we had a lot of people coming forward on my husband's page. Um, he's a private investigator in Durban. And people were complaining about their pets that had been going missing and stolen. Um, so that's when then I started Pet Detective, Brad Nathanson Investigations. And um, ever since then, it's, it's just grown into a, a network of, um, you know, lost and found. Um, we, we also work closely with SBCAs and rehabilitation centers, rescue centers, and um, yeah. So is this what you do permanently now? Um, Not permanently, on a permanent basis. Um, there are some ladies who have, who have helped out. You know, they don't want to be mentioned. Um, they just want to do it for the love of it. Um, but we, we are a team of, of ladies who would go out and, and search for pets that they have been missing for quite some time um, with, with knowledge and, and experience that we've gained over the years. And also Brad helps out a lot. Um, when it comes to people that need to be investigated, so when it comes to animal cruelty or um, pets that have gone missing, we know that they've been stolen. So, you know, um, we, we don't charge. We will charge if, if we have to drive out, um, if we have to make posters and pamphlets. So it's it's pretty much just the love yeah. of it. So what's your, your, what's your success rate? Well, um, Facebook page is very successful. I would say it's about 75% success rate. Um, when it comes to searching for, for lost animals, not always too good. Depends really on, on, you know, how long they've been missing for. Animals just have strange habits. Um, they can find a new home quite easily. They, they're quite successful, sorry, accessible to, 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 um, you know, new owners. New owners can find them, um, you know, to be part of the family, and they can they can get quite used to to staying in a new home. So animals, I think people just they don't understand the animal psyche too much, and and I don't think they understand the pets that they take into their homes. They don't take into consideration other pets that are living in their homes. Um, so we have a lot of people complaining that they that you know once they've moved into a new home, pets go missing, pets are stolen. Um, it's only because they they roam cats. Specifically, or are not homebound. They love to to roam. They love to yeah. to find an area to move around in. So I think it's it's just lack of knowledge. No. I think that. Is mate, you're based in Durban. Does this mean that if um, there was a special case in Johannesburg, would you would you be able to assist somehow? 
Yes, 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 I do. Actually, um, I was, I think it was about two weeks ago where we did a case up in Joburg. And um, it just takes a few days usually. It also it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to take the spur of the animal. Um, it's, it's much easier than that. It's not like um, tracking. Um, so, yes, we do. Um, a lot of the time it's, it's usually people that need people investigated, people that, that have taken on someone else's pet. Um, do, you find, do you ever find yourself in, in a dangerous situation where you're dealing with perhaps um, pit bull fight rings or perhaps with uh, illegitimate breeders? Yes. Um, well, a few months ago we investigated a, an animal hoarder wasn't dangerous as such, but it was, um, you know, we had to go, in, it was just awful. I don't know if you ever watched it on carte blanche, but it was, there's a special on, on animal hoarders, and this yeah. lady had just kept animals as they came in. They, you know, they stayed, and, and they, they were just fed from the same packet of food, and she must have had about 27 animals at, at one time, so... Yes, that's dangerous because the animals were not being inoculated. Um, they weren't being, kept, you know, cared for, kept well. So they were running around with diseases. SPCA eventually picked them up. Um, but, you know, you do get people who get a bit, um, a bit feisty. They, they don't like the fact that you're coming into the home taking what they believe are, are their pride and joy. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have a sickness and illness. They don't understand what they're actually doing to an animal. So, animal animal lovers are probably the most craziest people you could get. Yeah, this we know. <laughs> crazy, yeah. crazy cat ladies, especially. No, no, no. Well, I, I promise you, we're, we're, we are a family of animal lovers. We don't have kids. Brad's got kids, but they are our, our pets are our children, and we would do anything for them. Yeah. Um, Esme, I've noticed on your Facebook page that you are off to a family wedding in England and um, you you have some concerns while you leave South Africa. What are those? Concerns leaving South Africa? What, leaving our pets behind? Yes. <laughs> no, there aren't any because we have very strict rules when we leave. Um, my dad will usually take care of them unless it's, it's, it's only ever been my dad. Um, I've got it and... and Interviewing pet sitters is quite a thorough process. We don't just allow anyone into our home. There are signs up everywhere to say where they may and may not go. Um, we've got a very, a very set, strict um, process before we leave and while we're away. So nothing to worry about for us. It's not a concern for us. And, of course, you guys are the experts, so if anything did happen, you'd know what to do, right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, I'm definitely not. You have people phoning in and saying, you know, the neighbors don't want to get their dogs back. And I just say to them, well, you know, you, do you love him enough? Do you love that dog enough? Because I can tell you I'd never allow that to happen. Um, I would break any rule that I would need to, and I'm not supposed to say this, but if it's your pet, you know, nobody's going to keep it from you. Nobody's going to, to dictate to you how you should and should not keep your pet. Yeah. So. Okay, well, Esme, um, I really wish you the best of luck in your in your endeavours. And please, when you come to Johannesburg, come and visit us at... Uh, I will definitely. Thank you, Leanne. I'm sorry I couldn't be there today. Oh, no. No problem. And thank you very much for chatting to us. Um, and as I say, good luck. If you want to find out um, more about Esme and... Brad Nathanson Investigations, you can look up on uh, Facebook. Just type in Pet Detective and it'll bring up Pet Detective Brad Nathanson Investigations. That's it for Doggy Style, um, uh, the part of the show that we like to talk about lots of, lots about dogs and uh, it has taken up most of today. Um, a story quickly about cats as we look at what's new Pussycat. A woman in Peru is a nurse and she obviously usually cares for sick human beings. Um, but at home, she is looking after 175 cats, and we were just talking about animal hoarders, but she is pretty set up. She has a two-story, eight-room apartment, um, which she has now turned into a hospice for cats with feline leukemia. Now, obviously, some people have said to her, why don't you shelter healthy cats instead? She says, that's not my role. I'm a nurse, and my duty is to the cats that nobody cares about. Obviously, we know that people probably don't adopt adult cats as easily as they do a kitten, especially if they are terminally ill. So for five years, um, this nurse, her name is Maria Torero, she's been administering help and care to these animals. 
as they slowly die of, of this fatal retrovirus, they can live without um, any complications or pain uh, for a long time. It's just that you're obviously not going to be able to find a f- home for them that easily, and that's why she's taken them on. They're not contagious to humans uh, or any other species. Uh, it's usually transmitted through direct contact, mutual grooming, and the sharing of litter boxes, food, and water bowls. Well, all the cats there have it, so it's it's not a threat to them. So I just think that was quite a sweet story about a nurse for humans who looks after cats in her spare time. Okay, time to now take a look at pets and their celebrities. Well, we all know that man's best friend is a dog. And what do you do if your best friend has little paws preventing him or her from getting the most out of social media? Well, you set up a Twitter account for them, of course. Now, according to a study, almost one in four dogs and cats in the UK now have their own social feed or page. A survey of 2,000 pet owners showed that 13% of cats have their own Facebook page, 9% of dogs have their own Twitter account, and 2% of dogs even have their own blog. I think I've seen a TV show somewhere recently about a dog that blogs. So which animals do you want to follow on social media? Who are the cool cats and the top dogs in the virtual world? Okay, well, we'll start off with a little dog who has 15 million Facebook likes. I think I've mentioned him before. He's a small Pomeranian. His name is Boo, and he's known for his short haircut and looking a little bit like a teddy bear. They call him the cutest dog in the world. Um, In fact, Khloe Kardashian called him that, speaking of celebs. Um, that's why he's also the star of four photo books, actual books on the table. Um, he's also a fashion model, and he's been appointed as the official spokesdog for Virgin America Airlines. Uh, he skyrocketed to fame after Kesha tweeted that he was her new boyfriend. And Boo is working really hard. He's got book tours and all sorts of that sort of thing. Um, there's also Grumpy Cat. Grumpy Cat has six million likes. I have told you about Grumpy Cat before. Grumpy Cat really isn't that grumpy. Um, it's just that he has a little bit of a grumpy-looking face, and a whole lot of memes have been made in his honor with things that say, um, I'm happy on your birthday because you're one year closer to your death. <laughs> what doesn't kill you disappoints me. He's a really, really grumpy cat. Well, his owners have, have pretended that he's like that anyway. Um, he also says, you've just made my day worse. There's Graham the Kitten, who has 99,500 Twitter followers. Graham had a bit of a head start in life because he is the pet singer of, the pet rather, of singer Ed Sheeran. On Twitter, he says things like, tickle my belly and feed me Sheba. And uh, he's also got an agony uncle blog as well where he answers questions. And he says Garfield is a pussy. (laughs) Maggie May has 27,000 Twitter followers. She's one of Andy Murray, the tennis player's two border terriers. She tweets to 27,000 people about her rivalry with her sibling, Rusty, and often posts photos of her wearing Murray's medals. (laughs) And it's understood that Kim Sears, Murray's girlfriend, sometimes lends Maggie a hand with her tweeting, and you can follow her at Maggie May underscore hem. And then there is Meredith Swift, finally. Now, Meredith is Taylor Swift's cat. And as is often the way for rich and famous people, Meredith has suffered speculation over a relationship with Graham the Kitten, She has 10,000 followers on Twitter and a new sister, Olivia Benson, who doesn't have her own Twitter account yet, but I'm sure she'll let you know when she does. If that's your thing, well, that's what you can do. Um, A quick look at some animals in the news this week. You may have seen the posters, you may have read in the papers, you may have seen online that right here in South Africa, in Johannesburg, in fact, Ritfontein, a circus worker was attacked by a tiger um, and that was after it escaped the circus location. Um, the man suffered severe bite wounds and lacerations to his neck and chest, and uh, the tiger had escaped from its enclosure uh, this last weekend on Sunday. The man is in hospital. No further details on the attack, nor could we provide the name of the circus, which apparently is on Bears Nordia Drive. Lots of um, protests going on there, I'm sure. A lot of people in South Africa and around the world do believe that this is not the right thing for animals to be part of. Um, and uh, I think now it's time for our Help a Horny Friend segment. Of course, we're talking about the rhino. Now, earlier this month, Environmental Affairs Minister Edna Mulewa announced that rhino along the eastern boundary of the Kruger National Park would be moved to strongholds both inside and outside the flagship reserve to protect them from poachers. So finally, government is 
putting in a lot of efforts to to um, curb rhino poaching in South Africa. Uh, some of the rhino will actually be moved out of the country completely. Obviously, a lot of their location is being kept secret, um, and some of them will be held on private game reserves as well. Well, we received an update this week. SA National Parks has announced that the rhino at the Krugel National Park will not be moved this year, that the move will probably happen next year, and that's because we've missed the window to remove the animals because it's getting warmer, and the best time to move them is in the winter. So we'll keep our eye on that and keep you updated. And if you're a regular heavy petting listener, you'd have gathered by now that we're in a lot of trouble when it comes to keeping the rhino species alive for us to enjoy until we die. Um, we know it's almost impossible and that the rhino will in all likeliness become extinct during our lifetimes. It may very well be too late for us to do anything about this. But this big issue has perhaps been diverting our attention from another looming crisis, that of the rapidly declining elephant population. Here is Sebastian from Newsy Science. Poachers killed as many as 100,000 African elephants in the space of three years, according to a new study. The study found unsustainable amounts of elephants were killed between 2009 and 2012, peaking in 2011 at 8%, which translates to 40,000 elephants killed that year alone. The escalation of poaching, which National Geographic reports has reduced the elephant population in Africa by 64% in the last decade, comes with new methods and equipment used by poachers. They were telling me on the ground in Tanzania that people are coming in in helicopters. It is uh, economically viable for them. This is uh, not a fly-by-night operation, so to speak. That study also found the increase in the illegal killing rate correlated with the increase in the price of ivory. So where is the demand coming from? By every measure, China is the world's villain when it comes to the illegal ivory trade. China has a long history of ivory consumption. It has a booming economy. As the Washington Post reports, prices of ivory have soared in the last five years, starting when the Chinese government authorized a, quote, one-off sale of ivory, despite signing on to a ban on the international trade of ivory in 1989. To help stop China's ivory imports, activists have employed one of the country's most famous exports, Yao Ming. The towering basketball player traveled to Africa and met elephants in a documentary called The End of the Wild, which was put together by WildAid. WildAid is one of a handful of organizations aiming to combat poaching by addressing the consumption of poached goods, such as ivory, in China. It's employed Chinese stars Jackie Chan and Vincent Cho, as well as Ming. You don't have to play ball to be a great shot blocker. Never buy illegal wildlife products, and we can save our endangered animals. When the buying stops... The killing can too. But the buying doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon, as the study reports preliminary findings showed unsustainable killing of elephants continued in 2013. For Newsy, I'm Sebastian Martinez. Time for facts and features here on Cliff Central. Uh, just a reminder that you can message us live to, to the studio. That's on WeChat. Um, we did receive an, a message earlier saying, uh, in fact, from Jade, who's going to be on a in just a minute or two, well, actually 10 minutes or two, <laughs> um, saying that Husky Rescue South Africa do awesome work. Um, and yes, they do. We had uh, Jasper from Husky Rescue in earlier. If you want to check out their Facebook page, they've got some charity initiatives coming up soon. Time for facts and features on heavy petting. And uh, as I mentioned, I was in Cape Town a while back and I chatted to Chris Fellows of Apex Shark Expeditions. Um, he is the shark man. He is the guy that you take trips with on his boat, um, him and his uh, partner, his wife, um, and get to see a whole lot of interesting things about sharks. It's very educational, and um, they are all about education and awareness, playing a vital role in effective shark conservation. Um, so this is the last of our, our chat, and uh, yeah, take a listen. If I can find the clip. And there we go. Firmly believes that the only way you get other people to love the wildlife that you do is through the same privilege and exposure that you had That's as it. a kid to actually yeah. seeing those animals. That's what I wanted to ask um, finally is um, do you do you gain a lot of pleasure from seeing people that you've taken out onto the boat, you know, from probably this teenage-like attitude of, yeah, we're going to see a kill, and then um, how they change yeah, and progression. the respect that they earn yeah. by the time they get off the boat. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like like anything, you over time you begin to appreciate the subtleties of something a lot more. Um, 
I don't have an appreciation of wine, and that's a great example, it's because I've never had exposure to probably good wines. Or probably this is why we'll never get on. <laughs> <laughs> or probably somebody that, that can teach you a lot about them. But, um, you know, I think it's exactly the same thing. If, you, if you're exposed to somebody who knows a lot about that and they can explain the different intricacies about something to you, you become more interested in it. Mm. And through that increasing interest, you become more passionate. And ultimately, you, in the case of wildlife, you know, you, you go out there and you become an ambassador for that species. And that's what we try and have our guests that join us actually become. And many of the guests who come out with us um, come back year after year. It's like coming to the shark mecca. Many of our guests have been out with us every year for 10, 12 years. And they come out for 10 days at a time. So this is the reward part for you. This yeah, is this and, is what's good for you. And I've been very lucky to share it with my wife, you know. Mm. And one of the best things is to be able to share something with somebody that mm. you're passionate about. Because you do know what you do is a little crazy. Well, yeah, it's, it's good to have another crazy with you, right? <laughs> there you go. It's also nice to come home in the evenings and your wife smells a, a little bit like what you've been fishing with and that sort of thing. <laughs> and she can't moan at you too yeah. much about your clothes lying around the house. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's just very special to be out in False Bay. It's very special to work with the great white sharks. And I, I count myself as incredibly privileged to have been able to spend so much time with these magnificent animals that in South Africa we we should look at in the same light that we do lions, leopards, cheetahs yeah. and other predators because it is a remarkable privilege to have them along our shores. And because they've been along, they've been around for much longer than most animals in South Africa. Yeah, 60 million, 60 million years is no mean feat. In fact, yeah. sharks, 400 million years as a as an entire species, and they've outlived the dinosaurs, arguably the most successful animal that's ever lived on the planet. So, yeah, pretty cool creatures. Pretty cool guy as well. And um, I hope to get onto his boat sometime soon. In fact, I'm in Cape Town. Not this weekend, next weekend. So if I do, I promise to bring back a lot of news and I'll try and get over my fear of sharks and the poor seals as well. Um, still more on facts and features here on Cliff Central. Um, we've got magpies myths which have been busted. Now magpies, if you remember from nursery rhymes as a child, um, I certainly do. They're, they're the black and white birds who were baked in a pie and who stole things. They've long been known as jewelry thieves. Um, and in fact, you know, they always say, if, you know, that woman's like an, a magpie, anything shiny she wants. Um, but in fact, magpies, it's been found, are very wary of shiny objects. In a series of experiments, British animal behaviorists have found that far from being kleptomaniacs, the birds are in fact fearful of unknown objects. The team arranged a selection of objects, shiny and dull, at different sites in the university campus and observed the reaction of wild and captive magpies. Quite a good all-round study. They used things like metal screws and foil rings. Some of them were painted blue with matte paint and the rest were left shiny. They also used aluminium foil with piles of nuts in between. And magpies only made contact with a shiny object twice in 64 tests. It was only two out of 64 times that they actually were interested in something shiny. Both times it was a silver ring which was picked up, but they immediately discarded them. So, yes, we, we now know that magpies aren't the little thieves that we thought they always were. More facts and features on heavy petting. Um, it's something that we said we would do last week. I'm glad that we're getting to it now. It's about a bug-eating club in Tokyo, which is attracting insect lovers. Tokyo's Insect Cuisine Research Association has been serving up a bug banquet for creepy crawly enthusiasts. Here's Sarah Kerr from ODN. Fried cicadas, wasp lava and covered cockroaches. If any of these are taking your fancy, head down to a bug club in Tokyo where all of this is on the menu and more. Yes, that's right. The Insect Cuisine Research Association has been serving up a bug banquet for insect enthusiasts. The wings taste like nuts and the body tastes like fish or shrimp. The club, which has been hosting creepy crawly dinner parties since 1999, has promoted the culinary use of insects not only for their nutritional value, but also for their eco-friendly nature and sustainability. The Fukushima nuclear disaster brought quite a lot of attention to food that can be easily procured. 
Mothers of young children have been particularly interested in what they eat and how they select the food they consume. The club of around 20 people get together to experiment with different recipes from main dishes to desserts. This woman has been eating bugs for the last seven years as an alternative to meat. While eating insects has proven to have some of the same health benefits as meat, I think we'd rather stick to something a little bit more conventional. Oh, well, Duncan, the producer here, is asking me if I've eaten mopani worms before.、Um, but in fact, he says that he doesn't even remember if he's eaten them or swallowed them. So、uh, maybe we can organize some mopani worms and we'll, we'll crunch our way through them. I'll try. I'll try my best. I mean, if we eat prawns. They look horrid compared to Mopani worms, so we'll give that a bash.、Um, okay, so we did receive a message on WeChat. Thank you very much to Carol. Carol says, loving the show. Something like this is long overdue.、Um, I can listen to discussions about pets and wildlife the whole day. You guys rock. Thank you so much, Carol. We love the support, and、uh, I hope you, you download all of our podcasts as well. Okay, that's all we have time for today on Heavy Petting. And、um, just to tell you what's coming up next week on Heavy Petting, British Airways has launched a very cute animals TV channel. We'll find out exactly why they've done that and why it's becoming so popular. We'll also talk about tips for traveling by air with pets. If you're taking your pets on holiday or perhaps you're moving abroad or moving to a different town in South Africa, is it a good idea to put them in the car? Is it a good idea to put them on、uh, sort of a A pet freight truck, which you can do with air conditioning, or is it just easy to get it over and done with quickly by air? We'll speak about all concerns and, and that sort of thing next week. Up next on Cliff Central, though, we've got rookies and rock stars with Jade and Simba.、I'm、looking forward to that. Thank you very much for listening to Heavy Petting. Back next week, Wednesday, 10 to 11, with me, Leanne Mull.